welcome to the American Football Show. This is the fifth episode of Pick Your Team. We are in the AFC North today uh, after having completed the NFC last week. We've got the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Cincinnati Bengals, the Baltimore Ravens and the Cleveland Browns here. Uh, we're going to be going through, as always, each team, kind of some history, the current team, um, some star players or owners, uh, and then we're going to have a discussion about which team you like the best and who you should support. So, uh, without any hesitation, let's get started. We're going to be going with the Pittsburgh Steelers first, and that is my team. So the Steelers were founded in 1933 uh, by Art Rooney. It's the seventh oldest team in the NFL. Uh, and the team still remains within that family. Uh, it is now currently run by Art Rooney II, who is the grandson of Art Rooney. Uh, the oldest team in the AFC, uh, they have six Super Bowl wins, so they're tied for first with the New England Patriots and are generally considered one of the most successful teams uh, post-merger, uh, which is 1970 onwards, where the AFC and the NFC came together. Uh, since the league changed to a 16-game schedule in 1976, a pretty unbelievable start is the Steelers are the only team to never have lost 12 games or more. Uh, and, and pretty much every kind of category like regular season games, postseason games, championship games and Super Bowls. The Steelers are going to be in uh, the top kind of two or three. Uh, they are they are a pretty uh, successful team. Uh, incredibly, they have only had seven, uh, 16 head coaches in their 87 years, which is another record for the uh, fewest amount of head coaches used. Uh, this can be divided into three distinct kind of eras. You've got the Chuck Knoll area. Uh, era, sorry, uh, 1969. He coached for 23 years straight, only with the Steelers, then retired. He won four Super Bowls uh, within six years. Uh, and more incredibly than that, he drafted nine Hall of Famers in four years, in five years, sorry. Uh, and is famous for creating the so called Steel Curtain, uh, which is one of the best team nicknames in the game, in my opinion. Uh, after him, we have the Bill Cowher era. Cowher, I'm not sure you pronounce it. Um, who coached from 92 to 2007, again winning another Super Bowl. And currently we are in the Mike Tomlin era, who has won a Super Bowl in 2009. Um, historically, the Steelers are famous for a really, really wide fan base. Uh, typically, wherever you go, you'll, you'll find some Steelers fans. Uh, half of this is due to Pittsburgh just being a really big sports city. Uh, they've got, the, obviously, the Pirates and the Penguins who are uh, successful in their own rights. Uh, and actually, the decline of the steel industry uh, caused a lot of Pittsburgh kind of supporters to move across the country, uh, which is um, another reason why they they are found all over the place. Uh, interestingly, they're the only team to wear a logo on one side of the helmet, which is a lovely pub quiz fact. It's on the right hand side. Uh, and personally, in my opinion, they've got one of the cleanest jerseys in the league. I really like the black and gold. Uh, and their throwback uniform with the bumblebees are absolutely brilliant. I don't know what you guys think about them. Uh, I know we've we've hotly debated jerseys because I hate the the glow stick Seahawks ones. Uh, the, since 1970, they've pretty much been a perennial playoff contender, uh, and I've always had a, a solid coaching room. When it comes to like rivalries and things like that, uh, the Steelers have got uh, got their share, uh, obviously with a lot of the success. 
Um, obviously, within the division, you can have bit of rivalries. We're going to be able to talk about them uh, as we go through this. Uh, but obviously, we've got the Ravens. Um, what with the Steelers being both defensive kind of uh, defense first teams, uh, they've got a big rivalry with that. Craig, obviously, but what, what do you think about the Steelers? Uh, in my opinion, it's the best rivalry in football. Okay, we'll get to that later. Then. Um, we've got the Browns, uh, which obviously back back in the day it was big. It simmered down a bit, but after last year, we've got the with the big brawl between Mason Rudolph and J, uh, and Miles Garrett. Uh, we've got a uh, a reignition there, which was great fun for the league, uh, and also the Bengals. Um, this again was bigger back in the past, but Vontae's perfect, the linebacker, uh, repeatedly took Steelers players out of games uh, with some pretty brutal hits. So that, that uh, rivalry has also been on uh, getting a bit hot recently. Outside of the division, though, is where you'll, you'll find some more rivalries. Uh, we've got the Broncos. Um, the, the, all these rivalries come from postseason competitiveness, really. So the Broncos, uh, the Raiders, Tim, obviously, back in the, back in the day, the Raiders have declined a little bit since then, but probably one of the fiercest rivalries back in the day, would you say? Totally. Really big rivalry, Steelers-Raiders. Also with the immaculate reception as well. Uh, and final two ones are the Cowboys and the Patriots. Uh, again, all just coming out of playoff success. Uh, Cowboys and Steelers actually went to three Super Bowls against each other, which is a record. So when we get to looking at the bigger names of the Steelers, they, they really have had a lot of people there. Uh, I think third in the all-time Hall of Fame, uh, but they generally just have a lot of big names, so I won't be able to go through all of them. Uh, we've got Art Rooney and Dan Rooney, who are the first two owners, father and son. Um, very famous for making the league a lot more diverse. Uh, in, there's a thing called the Rooney Rule, uh, which I'm, I'm not too familiar on it. I know, are any of you guys massively familiar on the Rooney Rule? Yes, the Rooney Rule basically means that for any head coaching vacancy, you have to interview at least one minority candidate. So yeah, um, obviously they followed that on. Uh, Mike Tomlin was the youngest African-American coach to win a Super Bowl. Uh, and I think they had the first female assistant coach. So they've, they've the, the Rooneys have been really integral in uh, kind of welcoming diversity into the league. Uh, another big name is Chuck Knoll, as I mentioned before. 23-year head coach, four Super Bowls. I mean, he's. I think he was in the this year when we had the the all 100 team chuck Noll was up there with like bill belichick and uh, lombardi and stuff so just shows you that the the company he is respected as uh as as a head coach uh famous players i mean i'm gonna name a couple here but that there are a lot more uh but the ones that jumped to mind we've got mean joe green uh mel blunt terry bradshaw uh who, who still does present presenting uh jerome the bus bettis jack ham uh, Troy Polamalu, who I know I love to watch Troy Polamalu. I know you did as well, Craig. Yeah, uh, big fan of Polamalu. Yeah. I mean, even if he was a stealer, like he, <laughs> yeah, he was a, you, you'd always spot him on his field with his big hair, do. He had this like big, bushy, long, curly hair, but you know, the, you'd see him leapfrogging offensive lines and all kinds to make tackles. He, yeah, he was a scary guy. Did, did he enter the Hall of Fame with Ed Reed or like the year before or something? I'm not sure, to be honest. And I, I know that I think they, they've both gone in, as far as I'm aware. They have, but they have I, both I'm, gone in, yeah. I'm not sure if it was the same year or not, because Ed Reed was only a year or two ago, wasn't it? Yeah, but they're, they're two of the best safeties of their time. Um, and then Rod Rod Woodson, John Stallworth, some of the big uh, names there. Um, there are a lot of names I didn't read out, but 
uh, they just have so many. Some of those guys have a foot, uh, the NFL productions of football life shows. Uh, I'd recommend all of them, but uh, I know I've seen the um, Terry Bradshaw one, and that's really good. Uh, famously, the Steelers have only retired officially two numbers. Um, mean Joe Green, number 75, and defensive lineman Ernie Stoutner. Uh, they unofficially have retired a lot of other numbers, such as like Terry Bradshaw and Mel Blunt's and that, but um, they have some sort of tradition where they they don't retire any more numbers or something like that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I mean, a lot of Hall of Famers there, um, mostly back in the day with Chuck Noll, but, uh, yeah, and any kind of notes or questions about any of the, the players? Just the steel curtain in general. Like, what do you think? They, do you think they were the best? Do you think like where do you think they rank in terms of just? I know we're talking a little bit about it like earlier, earlier on today. But where do you think they rank in terms of best defenses of all time? What sets the steel curtain apart from the other defenses? I think is that the like the two thousand Ravens, the eighty five Bears, all all the big ones you can name. They were there. They were a year. They were a really solid year of defense when the, the steel curtain was famous for the the nineteen seventies uh, for the Steelers. Uh, that's they won. They won four Super Bowls. So I, I think whilst they may not have piled up the numbers like um, certain defenses did, th- these guys were just like the 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 definition of consistency and that they they played so long to, together that they really had that chemistry and they were they were just good for an extended period of time, which I think is obviously rare uh, when it comes to to the NFL. Okay, and finally, uh, to break down the state of the Steelers kind of right now, um, they have undergone a lot of change recently. Uh, They were very famous uh, earlier on in kind of, or last decade. Um, The Killer Bees, which is Big Ben Roethlisberger, Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown. Uh, Sometimes their kicker uh, was in there as well, uh, who's called Bryant. Uh, but yeah, the the power trio is it really is what kept the Steelers kind of going in the 2010s um, with just a, a huge offensive kind of trio there. Um, they've always had a decent O line; uh, it's kind of been one of their things, and their defense is getting back to a, a very good state uh, with TJ Watt on there, um, JJ Watt's little brother, uh, Minka Fitzpatrick, who got traded over from the Dolphins, obviously last year. Uh, and rookie Devin Bush, uh, he was he was a really good linebacker as well. So, uh, I, as an Eagles fan, I don't know what it's like to have two good linebackers. So I imagine it feels quite nice. Um, but when it comes to how they're going to go, it's it's pretty hard to kind of know how well they're going to do. I know, um, I think you had them quite highly rated last year, Craig. When I had them pretty pretty low, is that right? Uh, yeah, I, on paper they're not. They're not that bad of a team. Yeah, they've lost quite a few. Like they lost Lev Bell, and then they lost um, Antonio, and like, and then Ben went down. So I think losing both of them just as the season was like just shortly before the season, and then losing your your starting QB has really been like the sort of the focal point of that team for a long time. It sort of it left them in pretty bad shape, and they had a horrific start of the season. But then after trading for Minka, the the defence just sort of had this resurgence out of nowhere and it went from being a team that was getting battered week in, week out to this really scary defensive team that was just pulling out wins and came came out of nowhere. It was good to watch. So I'm, I'm curious at what they're going to be like coming into the next season. They've got a good base there, especially on defence. Yeah, definitely. That The defence is young and good. Um, I've, I've, 
Personally, I think it comes down to how Big Ben comes out because he had Tommy Johnson surgery. His elbow uh, went in like the first or second game. Um, for those who might be picking the Steelers, you should know that. Uh, Big Ben's a pretty famous quarterback. Um, he's commonly compared with like Phil Rivers, Eli Manning, Tom Brady, as that was that generation's uh, kind of quarterback, um, the, the big boys. He reminds me a lot of Favre. He's a gunslinger and he can take a hit and he, he will take a hit if he has to to throw a ball. But he's getting to the back end of his career now and you don't know yeah. if all of them hits are fine. I mean, he's a big guy, so he can't, you know, he's, he's been able men. to take hit. Yeah, <laughs> he's been able to take hits more than I think the average QB would, but it's whether they're finally starting to take the toll now and age is finally catching up with them and whether he's, he can still do it to the level he used to. His yeah. beard as well is a bit of a mess at the moment. I'm a, I'm a fan sh- of the beard. I like big beard, Ben. It looks yeah. like it stinks, like in my opinion. <laughs> it's just like oh, I'd rid I, it. I just I really like the memes that have come from it, like because he just, oh, he like looks homeless, the, don't he? Yeah. The how long have I been here? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah. Um. But yeah. If, if if you're looking to get into the Steelers, Big Ben's probably going to be leaving soon. Um. They are looking for a. A back or a new a new franchise quarterback, um, Mason Rudolph may pan out. I don't think he will personally, but uh, he's he's a serviceable backup, which he's he's proven. Um, you got Juju Smith Schuster uh, as your your top receiver. Personally, I, I love him. I think he's uh, he he's just a dead funny guy. He's, he's one of the young ones that kind of gets youth culture, and it's just it's just dead funny to watch him play and celebrate. Uh, James Connor, who was um, Livion Bell's backup, and stunned in his first year how well he did and kind of returned more back towards the median but uh we'll see how he does next year uh, and the new tight end eric ebron who i i've got quite a high ranking on so i, f- I think the offense is is loaded up to succeed uh mike tomlin uh, is still the head coach he's solid got no- nothing to say bad about him really and considering how he kept antonio brown not crazy for so long i think he does earn a bit more respect there uh, but, I mean, end of the day, the Steelers are, are always going to be a contender in that division. Um, the Ravens are there now, obviously, with uh, MVP Lamar. And I think it's going to make the AFC North a lot more competitive than it has been recently. But, yeah, uh, the Steelers, end of the day, are you're going to have a good time supporting them because they are successful, if, if that's what you like. Maybe Joe might be persuaded to support them again. Um, I know he likes teams that win. So. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! <laughs> I, you know, I have a lot of respect for them. They're, they're like they're, they're a tough team, and yeah. they will they, they will fight with everything they can. Like they're yeah. that kind of franchise. They're not they, the they kind of franchise. The yeah. like me and Craig like with the big, good run game, big defense, and you, you don't want to face them in the cold stuff like that. They won't. Do, yeah, they'll 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 scrap. They won't they won't roll over like. But I quite I quite like the jerseys. I think they have a good color scheme. I'm yeah. not. I'm not a huge fan of the, the Bumblebee, like, but just in general, I think they have quite a good-looking jersey. Like, Yeah, I mean, I, 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 it's not a team I probably would have chosen. That There are other teams I'd have picked above um, the Steelers towards the Eagles. Um, but, yeah, they, they are, they're a successful team. You, you're going to meet other fans, which I, I think is really key because... I know when when we go down to the London games, we play the game like which fan will you see last? Steelers are all over the place. You're going to meet a lot of Steelers fans, especially with a terrible towel. Um, but yeah, uh, go go Steelers. <laughs> the only thing that put me off supporting the Steelers, well, the main thing that put me off from supporting the Steelers, because I did 
I did enjoy watching them like when I was still still trying to decide a team. Um, it was just they, they've won so much. They've you know what I mean? Like because of that, because of them teams in the seventies and stuff, and they've got so many Super Bowls and stuff behind them. Like it, I didn't want to sort of glory hog if you if if you can put it that way. You know what I mean? Like for me, I wanted a team that was sort of you know my had a bit less history there. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, you you could get the especially about if you start following them about five years ago, you would you would have got a bandwagon kind of label. But I think now that they've started to regress a little bit and that a new team is on the, the uprise, it's a very good time to get into the Steelers. Really, yeah. The Steelers had not long won a Super Bowl when I first got into football. I think it was the they had won the Super. I started supporting the Ravens in '09. I think it was like '08. Didn't they win a Super Bowl? Uh, it was oh nine, I believe. Oh, so it was that season. Yeah. Uh, the last Super Bowl they went to, I think, was 2011, where they lost to the Saints. Uh, that's off the top of my head. But, yeah, Steeler Nation. Next, we have got uh, Craig doing his own team and his own conference in his own division, the Baltimore Ravens. Stepping up and throwing deep down the far sideline. Caught into the end zone. Touchdown, Jacoby Jones. How does that happen in the Denver secondary? That is stunning. So you're thinking of joining the Ravens flock? Well, there's an old saying in football, offense sells tickets, defense wins championships. And I think in this case... um, it certainly seems to be true. With the first Super Bowl win coming from um, one of the worst offences to ever win a Super Bowl, but they also had one of the best defences to ever win a Super Bowl, so take from that what you will. Um, in the, the 24 seasons that they've been around, they were founded in 1996, they've made the playoffs 12 times, so that's a 50% playoff rate. That's not bad, I guess, for the new franchise. Um Based on the East Coast, playing out at M&T Bank Stadium in Baltimore, Maryland, that uh, it's just it's it's a state that's known for a, its industry, like its industrial heritage. You know, particularly like mining and fishing and that sort of stuff. So it's quite a quite an industrial area. Um, Baltimore is originally the home of the Baltimore Colts until the Colts franchise moved to Indianapolis in the 1970s, leaving the state without a team until the Bay for the Ravens franchise in 1996. Uh, the Ravens were born when Cleveland's Brown owner Art Modell decided to relocate the historic franchise and um, reached a deal with the city of Baltimore in 1996. Now, this ruffled a few feathers in the league and particularly with Cleveland as a city and a lot of the people in Cleveland weren't particularly happy about the move, so they fought to dispute it. So eventually, an agreement was made. Cleveland would keep the Browns' name, the Browns' history and the team colours for future for a future replacement team in the city, which then technically, even though it wasn't an expansion team, it technically made the Ravens uh, an expansion team. Uh, so the name, the Ravens, it was inspired by Edgar Allan Poe's poem, The Raven, chosen in a fan contest that drew 33,000 votes. Uh, the name Honest Poe, who spent the early part of his career, and he was, he's buried there somewhere in Baltimore, I'm not sure where, but it's a pretty famous poem by him. I'm not sure... Not sure if you're familiar with it or not. You can look it up. The team colours 
they wear purple, black and metallic gold. The black and metallic gold are inspired from the, the flag of the state of Maryland. It's quite a nice colour scheme, in my opinion. I'm going to be a little bit biased there, but they do go together quite well. Uh, the Ravens uniform, consists of black helmets, purple home jersey, white away jersey and a black alternate jersey. And then either black or white pants. Uh, they have two Super Bowl championships to the name. The first back in 2000, as we've mentioned a little bit on this podcast already, uh, and the second back in 2012, which I was fortunate enough to, to see on the telly. It's quite quite an exciting game. Um, it was the the game in the Superdome, I think it was in New Orleans, where the a halftime after the Beyonce halftime show, the power went out and they lost power in the stadium. It was a bit of a nerve wracking halftime for me, anyway. Uh, anyway, I'm going off point. Moving on. Uh, they also have two conference championships that are named, six division championships and 12 playoff appearances, as I said earlier, uh, making them one of the most successful franchises since their inception uh, and they're the only team in the NFL to hold a perfect record in uh, multiple Super Bowl appearances because they've been to two and won two, never lost the Super Bowl. Uh, a team known for its tough running and its even tougher defence, particularly the 2000 season, uh, like we said earlier in the discussion, is one of the best defences of all time. Uh, they continue to produce just a number of defensive stars. That's what, what they're known for. Uh, Ravens fans have been fortunate enough to have to you know, support a franchise that's been able to just consistently piece together a competitive team season after season and you know, if it tends to finish around, even on a, a bad season, they still tend to scrape out seven to eight wins, which isn't bad. Uh, this is hugely down to, well, it was down hugely in part to former GM Oji Newsom. Uh, he only he retired in 2018, but he had just a he had an eye for talent and for bringing guys in who would do well in the team, would fit the mentality of the and the division of what he wanted in Baltimore. Uh, it was quite good. Uh, quite good at picking people in the draft. Uh, so they've only had three head coaches since their inception, two of which they've won a Super Bowl with, which is, uh, you know, considering they've been around now for 24 seasons, that's not a lot of head coaches compared to some other teams in that that length of time. You know, when I was Meatloaf put it, two out of three ain't bad. Uh, <laughs> Rave. <laughs> the, the, um, the, uh, the Ravens themselves so we were talking about retired numbers earlier the Ravens are one of these teams there's a few of them knocking about that don't retire any numbers and they haven't officially retired any numbers but unofficially um, the number 19 uh, was it 19 that Johnny Unitas wore is off limits I know whatever number he wore while he was at the Colts is apparently unofficially off limits to any new players that come in do you know any of the poems not off the top of my the raven yeah, never I, more. Take that's thy beak from out my heart and take the thorn from my door. Quoth the raven never more. And the raven never flitting. Still is sitting, still is sitting. Quoth the raven never more. I only know that because Sway in the Legends has a move called Never Move. Simpsons is where I know it from. Yeah, I know it from Simpsons. <laughs> Mine's a bit nerdier. <laughs> uh, Craig, do you prefer the purple jerseys, the white jerseys, or the black jerseys? I prefer the black ones. Black yeah. ones, my, well, that's the one I tend to wear. I've got a, a purple one and a black one, and I tend to wear the black one a bit more often. Yeah, do you like the black jersey? It's intimidating. Yeah, I think all round, nice. all three jerseys and the whole kit and caboodle is one of the best kits in the league. I'd yeah, agree I that. do. I love the Ravens kit. Yeah, I think the number the numbers are a, a bit different than other people's mm. numbers, but they're not as offensive as some of the. 
the ones that go away from the traditional sort of style. Yeah. But I think the just the color scheme itself, because it's it tends to be mainly black and purple, which goes together, and mm-hmm. then they'll have a little bit of a white trim here and there, maybe. Or even, I mean, even the white one still goes quite well. Yeah, I do like Ravens jerseys. A lot of logos, though. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure about having the fl- like. I don't like teams that put the flag of their state on. Like the Cardinals used to put the Arizona flag on. I'm not a fan of it. Yeah, these have the, the Maryland flag on the sleeve. Yeah, the crest. But it's part of the colour scheme, so I guess it fits. So, rivalries. So, you've got the Pittsburgh Steelers. As Adam mentioned earlier, they're probably the the number one rival of the Ravens. In my opinion, it's the best, best rivalry in football. I'm sure people would argue otherwise, but it's definitely always up there in the discussion when you think of the big rivalries in football. It's one that will always certainly get mentioned, especially from, I'd say, the last 10 to 15 years, you know, with, with some of the teams that have been been fielded during that time. It was definitely a fierce, intense rivalry there. So, um, it, you know, it's a it's a divisional rivalry, so they're, they're guaranteed to play twice a year which always kept things interesting. It was one of those, you know, you were saying, Adam, um, and i seen it when I was watching with the Eagles, um, Dallas Week. Um, oh, Dallas yeah, Week. When I was, yeah, when I was watching all and often, like, you're seeing the players and, like, the fans and everything. As soon as you mentioned Dallas Week, they all get wild, like, riled up. Well, it's kind of kind of the same with Baltimore, Pittsburgh. You know, as soon as, you, soon as it's Steelers Week, it's, it's guaranteed everyone gets fired up. Everyone's that little bit extra focused, little bit extra on edge. Uh, both teams are known for fielding just hard-hitting, tough defensive teams that just want to beat the crap out of each other. You know, it adds that that rivalry between the two of them, I think, just adds an extra element of, like, physicality. You tend to see bigger hits in this game and the atmosphere from, from the fans and from the commentators. You tend to feel it a little bit more, I think, than your regular game. Um, two teams have gone to head-to-head 52 times since the, um, since the Ravens were conceived. And uh, the Steelers take the edge in that one, twenty-eight to twenty-four over Baltimore. Yeah, yeah, let's yeah, let's not talk about the record. But we, you know, we battered them. We battered them this year, so it's all it's all good there. Um, but yeah, it should be interesting going forward. I think like with you know the Steelers, like I said, they they've lost a couple of big names and stuff, but they still they still managed to you know get something out of that defense, and I think they could be pretty tough tough next year and then the Ravens again even though they had such a great season last season they've still managed to improve and add some new members to them so I think it'll definitely be be a game to look forward to for next season if you do decide to go with one of them two teams uh, the other big rivals all the big main rivals we've got are Joe's New England Patriots boo yeah <laughs> so um, journalist Ben uh, Dahi, I think is how you pronounce his name, in an article from the Russell Street Report, which is like a Ravens news fan forum site. Um, he describes this rivalry using a quote from Anchorman, which I thought summed it up quite well, which is, I pure straight hate you, but God damn it, do I respect you. Because uh, it's, it, I think it's definitely, I think if you could sum up this rivalry in one sentence, that would be it, because the two teams do have quite a disliking for each other. But there is a lot of mutual respect there from fans and players and coaches and stuff alike. Uh, two teams have got a lot of recent history. Uh, New England maybe a little bit too much success during that history, but let's stay away from that. Um, so the two teams have gone head-to-head with each other 14 times uh, with a record of 10-4 to to the Patriots. Now, I know that might seem a little bit one-sided, but six of their last eight games have been decided by one score or less. 
And I think Joe can back me up here. They're usually pretty exciting games and they do tend to meet in the playoffs quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, which they split two and two at the moment, I believe. Yeah, Baltimore's not easy ever. Like it's always a game that look at it and terrified and and like as a young fan myself, one of the first games I remember is that AFC championship game in twenty twelve. And when Baltimore I believe you, you came back, didn't you? From um I think we were ahead and then you guys came back and ended up winning it. It was horrible memory but one of my first but yeah never like playing you got especially in the playoffs and then there was the one more recently in 2015 i want to say yeah i, I mean I, I i do get into mentioning that a little bit later that's one of my most painful football and memories but i'll let i'll let you tell the story <laughs> yeah, yeah no that, that haunts me still to this day that one play <laughs> anyway um so over the past like 10, 15 years, you know, you've had the, the Brady and Belichick dynasty where you've also on the defence of the Ravens had the Lewis and Ed Reed dynasty and that chess match between Brady and Belichick and Lewis and Ed Reed was a, it was just great to watch and there was a lot of respect between both sides, you know, for the for all Hall of Famers, for people who were on the all-time NFL team. And I think that says a lot about, about the level of football there between them. Um, the games are known for memorable moments such as the uh, Patriots saving their eventual undefeated season after coming back from two touchdowns late in the fourth due to a whopping 13 penalties. So frustrating that our linebacker Bart Scott picks up the red flag and threw it into the stands, which went round well with fans but didn't go particularly down well with the league. Uh, so another one, Ravens win in 2010, giving Brady his first loss in Gillette Stadium. That's one that... I quite enjoyed watching. Anyway, moving on. Probably the most famous was the one I've just been talking about with Joe now, a painful one. It was the trick play. In 2015, third quarter, scores 28-21 to the Ravens. We'd given up a 14-point lead, I think it was. Yeah. Um, and Brady threw a backward pass out wide to Julian Edelman, who just hailed it straight downfield to Amendola and ran it in for the touchdown. And... I mean, just when I was looking this up today to try and find a little bit of, to remind myself of some of the info on it, I watched the play and a tear came to my eye. Like, it's just it's painful to watch. Insane. Uh, yeah. Anyway, other honourable mentions for rivalries, moving on from that, was um, uh, the Colts, obviously, because the Colts, they, they played in Baltimore before us, before they moved. There was a little bit of a rivalry there. Cities, you know, it tends to be more of a, a geographical thing, a city thing, because of the history there. Um, it's not so much of a, a recent rivalry. And then the Browns and the Bengals, the other divisional rivals, uh, for a long time, the Browns were pretty bad. So there wasn't much of a rivalry there. But since their recent sort of resurgence, it's become a, a much bigger rivalry and the games have got a lot more intense and a lot better, a lot more fun to watch. Do you think there's going to be a, a a new rival, obviously with Lamar Jackson being one of the kind of hot stars of the NFL right now along with like Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson and stuff like that do you think there is the chance for I'm specifically thinking Chiefs to be honest because of Patrick yeah. Mahomes I was going to say there's going to be a big rivalry kind of spawning out of that yeah I think potentially because they're both sort of they're both roughly the same age they're both from really an off both built they're both in offences that have been built around them with a lot of weapons. Like, there's a lot, they're both high powered offences. I think the, you know, and the, the, the game that they played last season, it was a, you know, it was a really entertaining game to watch for any fan. Um, I think potentially there could be one there. I think the other one that could have, could have been, but it's not looking like it was, was the one with Deshaun Watson at the Texans. But that team at the moment's not looking too, too hot, is it? 
um, with them just trading away their best player at the moment. So I'm not sure how how far that want to go in terms of it being a rivalry. Little little um, little thing I noticed when I was researching, which would be like an, an interesting fact for you, Adam. I'm not sure if you know this or not, but um, John Harbour. He's, he's coached at the Ravens for years now. He's been there for a long time. I think it was since 08, I think he's been there for now. Um, where was he before that? John Harbour. Was he at a college? Uh, no, he was a DB coach with the Eagles for nine years. Oh, really? Yeah, I didn't know that. What, from like 19 summit to 2003? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, no wonder I didn't know. <laughs> I think he was at the Raiders before that. He's been around a long time. He's bounced around a few different teams. Like, Isn't he the only person to have faced his brother in a Super Bowl? Yeah. No, Jim Harbour did as well. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so moving on from there, um, I'm going to go into some famous players. Um, I think there's only really one place to start. He is, you think of the Ravens, you think of this guy. And that's um, linebacker Ray Lewis, wore the number 52, first jersey I personally ever I ever bought. Um, played college at Miami, played his entire 17-year NFL career, which is a pretty lengthy career for, for anyone at any level, um, with the Ravens. Drafted in the first round in 1996, he was their second-ever pick. 13-time uh, Pro Bowler, 7-time All-Pro, and he's won two, two Super Bowls during his time with the Ravens. He made the NFL 2000 All-Decade team and their all-time 100-year anniversary team, which we were talking about earlier recently this year. He is a Hall of Famer, and he's also in the Baltimore Ring of Honor. Uh, one of only five players to win Defensive Player of the Year twice, uh, and that's with some, some pretty good company there. I think it's like Lons Taylor, Joe Green, you know, people like that. that um, definitely keep some 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 big company there. Uh, and he was the the centerpiece. Of just one of the like we was, you know, I've said it a few times now. One of the the best defenses the league's ever seen. I keep, yes, that seems to just keep coming out quite a the lot. Two thousand Ravens. <laughs> yeah, the two thousand. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't want to seem like I just keep going back to that because we have won a Super Bowl since then. But I mean, since that shows you the length of time. You know, from 2000 to 2012, he's been the set, just the centerpiece of that defense. Uh, that defense, in particular, though, they only allowed 165 points in the whole season. So that's I think it averages like around 10 points a game. So that's you know that's pretty good going at that level. Uh, known for his big mouth, his, his you know his inspirational speeches and his his dance when he used to come out into the field to Nelly's hot in here, uh, the squiddle, I think it's called. Look it up anyway. You'll you'll find it. Uh, he, he was renowned as one of the hardest hitters in the NFL and his ability to read offences was up there with the best of them uh, one of the best to ever play his position anyway moving on from him we go to safety Ed Reed I mentioned him a little bit earlier and wore the number 20 uh, drafted out of Miami in the first round in 2002 Ed played 11 seasons with the Ravens before uh, doing a short stint with the Texans and the Jets he did. He, he was voted to nine Pro Bowls, five All-Pro, and three times interceptions leader. So, you know, pretty, pretty nice title there, interception leader. That's exactly what you want from your safety in it. Did you say they were both a Miami and both drafted in the same year? Uh, I didn't give a year for Ray Lewis, but no, Ray Lewis was drafted in. He was second. He was drafted in '96. Okay, I was gonna be. I was gonna say I'd be mad if they were both drafted at the same time from the same college. They were both came from the same college, but it was different years. 
uh, yeah, he made the 2000s All-Decade team, like Ray, and he was also voted to the 100th uh, All-Time team. Uh, he's always also a Hall of Famer, and he's also in the Baltimore Ring of Honor. He's got one Super Bowl to his name, and to say Ed was one of the best to ever do it requires no justification at all, I don't think, from anyone who's, who's been around the game or sort of has been watching it for a while now. He's the NFL all-time leader in interception return yards by by nearly 600 yards, so it's not even not even close. He has the two longest interception returns in history and scored 13 touchdowns via not just interceptions, but punt returns, punt block returns, fumble recoveries. This guy could do it all. Very dangerous guy. Uh, a definite game chamber. One of the best at reading the game. And he was just he was deadly at what he did. I know... You know, from watching the NFL 100 all-time team, Belichick spoke about both of them quite highly, and he was saying how they were a team he always looked forward to, but dreaded against playing. Uh, moving on, next guy, Jonathan Ogden. Jonathan Ogden, sorry, tackle, wore the number 75, played all 12 seasons of his career with the Ravens. This seems to be a common theme here. Uh, and was the first ever draft pick of the Ravens. Uh, so clearly that first year they made two two quite good draft picks there. Made the Pro Bowl every year by one of his career. That's quite quite impressive. Uh, known as one of the most dominant tackles to ever play the game. Part of the 2000 Super Bowl winning team and the first Raven to be selected into the NFL Hall of Fame. And he was also the first Raven to be entered into the Ring of Honor. NFL 2000s team and he also made the 100th all-time team like the other previous two. And he's also in the College Football Hall of Fame for his time at UCLA. Moving on, we've got Terrell Suggs, outside linebacker slash defensive end. Uh, Walder number 55 also goes by the name of T-Sizzle. Uh, first round draft pick in 2003 and franchise leader in sacks. He is also the eighth all-time sack leader in the NFL with 139. So clearly this guy's good at what he does. Uh, two-time Super Bowl champ, once with the 2012 Ravens. And um, he's recently won it from last year's Super Bowl with the Chiefs. Ironically beating the 49ers both times. Uh, seven-time Pro Bowler, Defensive Player of the Year and Defensive Rookie of the Year. So he's kind of he's won it all at some point. Uh, member of the 100 Sacks Club, he's definitely on track for a for a Hall of Fame uh, for Hall of Fame at the moment for the shot of getting in there. Uh, holds the NCAA record for sacks. So even in his college days, apparently that was still still his thing. Uh, Suggs is just he's known for his physicality. He's known for his intelligence and for for his leadership he's, he's good at what he does he's good at getting people hyped good at keeping people focused and it looks like even at the Chiefs he's still been able to sort of help them out in that way there so it was nice nice to see that from him uh, other honourable mentions uh, Garden Tackle Marshall Yonder spent his 13 year career with the Ravens only just recently retired one of the best old linemen of the past decade uh, defensive lineman Holoti Nata uh, nine years with the Ravens uh, you could say he's, you know, you could arguably say he was one of the top five all-time Ravens. He was great at what he did, solid in the middle for a very, very long time. Um, kicker Justin Tucker, best kicker in the league, most accurate place kicker in history, saved us countless times. I can't think of how many games he's come in with a clutch last-second field goal, like he did against the Chiefs last year. Um, Jamal Lewis, one of the best skill positions. Skill position plays the Ravens have ever had. Um, even you know, surprisingly, he had a two thousand year, uh, two thousand yard year, like a year or two after he just come back from what should have been potentially career-ending ACL injury. Like he was, wasn't with us for very long, but 
great player. Uh, Steve Smith, who I mentioned, I won't go. You know, I left him off the list deliberately because I talked about him with his stint with the Panthers, but he also had a, a stint with the Ravens, and he, you know, with the Ravens his time there, he he fit right in, you know, him, and he he was a legend there as well in Baltimore as well as he is in Carolina. Uh, there's also QB Joe Flacco. There's some people consider him a legend. Personally, I wasn't a huge fan the whole time he was there, but you can't deny his body of work and the length of time he spent with the Ravens. Personally, I think he held us back, but that's just my opinion. Um, Shannon Sharp, tight end. He's in the Hall of Fame. Again, one of great what he did. Uh, wide receiver, Anquan Bolin, but finally, one I've left on, or one I've wrote on there, he probably wouldn't normally get mentioned, was Kobe Jones. Didn't really do a lot for us, but he was the receiver who called the Mile High Miracle which was in the 2012 divisional game. Last minute in regulation, 70-yard touchdown to send it to overtime. And then in double overtime, Justin Tucker, who I mentioned earlier, won it with, uh, won it with a kick. Uh, one of the most exciting playoff games in history. It's one of my all-time favourite football moments. I don't know about you guys. I do like Shannon Sharp. He's one of, his Hall of Fame speech is probably my favourite. Yeah, he's a great player. Did you happen to see the, that game, the Denver game? No. If you've not seen it, I'd recommend going back and giving it a watch. Like I said, what, it, goes to double, it goes to double overtime. Um, it was definitely one of the most exciting. 2012 It was the year we won the Super Bowl. Okay, yeah, I'll, I'll have a look during all my free time. Is Yeah, like I said, you're dying seconds of the game. We're behind. Next minute... Flacco throws the 70-yard touchdown to Jacoby Jones, who runs it in, and it goes to overtime. You can imagine I was bouncing off the walls watching that. Seeing I, was, I thought we were just going to bow out at that point. But the elite like, dragon. Yeah. Out of all those players, Craig, which one means the most to you? Like, Who's your favourite out of just all of them? Justin Tucker, hands down. <laughs> at the moment, with the current, the current team that we have, it's, it's Justin Tucker, but... For me personally, the the ultimate Raven, my favourite is Ray Lewis. He's one of the big reasons why I sort of I fell in love with the team. Um, he was really good at really good at what he did. You know, he's a really loud, really passionate, inspirational guy. He's you know either you're drawn to that, or some people might find it a bit irritating. He does he can come across quite preachy at times. Um, but for me, I just. I think the combination of him and Reed and like Nata and Suggs, like he was just so many big names on that defense at the time and just watching them all play. And like I said, he was the, the focal point, the centerpiece. He was the brain of that defense. And um, for me, he's, he's, he's my favorite all time Raven. Although my sister did get to meet Ogden when he played in London. I don't know why I've just threw that in there, but I've thrown that in there. That was a painful <laughs> game sister, to watch. Isn't your sister an Eagles fan? She is an Eagles fan. Yeah. That was a painful game to watch as well. I was finally, finally happy. I'm getting a bit off tangent here, but I was finally happy that like the Ravens are coming to Wembley. I get to go down and see them. Went to go down and see them, and the Jaguars destroyed us. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was, yeah, yeah. It was an awful performance, but, you know, support your team too thick and thin, don't you? Okay, so moving on to current teams. It's a good little transition into this one because that team wasn't particularly great. But this one that we're looking at is definitely much better. Harbour has been the head coach, like I said, since 2008. He's uh, one of the better coaches in the league. More of a defensive-minded coach, as you know, if you haven't picked up so far, is kind of the thing for this team. Uh, we've got our 
QB, Lamar Jackson, last year's uh, NFL MVP. Uh, really good with his legs, really good being able to sort of scramble and extend plays and known for his quickness, but he can also throw. Uh, we've also got our running backs, Mark Ingram and Justice Hill, who two are the better, you know, one of the better, I think, tandems. I think when you focus, when you factor that in with Lamar and that running game, it's definitely one of the, the more potent running games in the league. I think we were the best rushing offense last year in the NFL. Uh, to complement that, we've also got Hollywood Brown, who great, you know, great, highly touted wide receiver coming out of college. Uh, started to get better last year as the season went on, and then you've got Andrews and Boyle, the two tight ends who he likes to throw to a lot. Uh, Yander retiring was a big loss, so because our line did quite well last year until we had one or two injuries later in the season. But he's been such a, a stone, like a, such a, a, a an anchor in that offensive line for such a long time now. It's a big loss for us. On the other side of the ball, cornerback tandem Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters, arguably the best quarterback tandem in the league. I don't know. Would you would you agree with that? Would you counter with anyone else? Best cornerback tandem in the league. I give to the Dolphins now. Byron Jones and Xavier Howard. Yeah, probably Dolphins, but Ravens are up there. Fair enough. I think the Ravens. Fair enough. I appreciate going that. through all the teams to look through them now. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's. I mean, that that's a, that's a pretty good tandem. You know, we we. Marlon Humphrey, Marcus Peters, it's definitely the two people who are going to take away not just your number one, but your number number two receiver in a game. It's going to make it very difficult to throw on us. Um, but, you know, that you know that mixed with Earl Thomas, who's come from that famous Legion of Boom defence we were talking about in our previous episode, who's played safety. That's an, an old head in there who can fly around and make some bigots and, and knows what he's doing. So that makes a really good secondary in terms of the Ravens' day. Uh, Matt Judon and Tyrus Bowser at linebacker. It's great to see Judon coming back. Again, he was the, probably our best linebacker last season, so it's nice that we're not going to lose him when we thought that we were. Uh, our biggest weakness on um, on the defence last season was our D-line, but we've strengthened that up with uh, signing Clays Campbell, who's a big signing that should really help that defence out. Uh, and Derek Wolf from from the Broncos we've recently just signed after the Brockers deal fell through, so they'll be joining Brandon Williams, making a a pretty now scary and intimidating defensive line, especially against the run, which was definitely a, a weak point last season as the line allowed the franchise waste 4.4 yards. So they've already addressed that next year uh, when it comes to the draft. I think it's going to be wide receiver. I think will be what the main focal point is, and then we'll be looking at. Had a pretty good team. If you look at most of the rankings for next season, it looks like you know the Ravens are in the top top three of pretty much everyone's rankings in terms of predictions next year. So it should be good to watch. Does this Ravens team, obviously you're raving about it there, you reckon it has a chance of becoming your favourite ever Ravens team? Like a strong chance or...? Potentially, I mean, like I was looking back, at, like uh, I've been looking back at previous Ravens teams, and like I sent an article to you earlier today, didn't I? Where they were, um, see, uh, it was a I can't remember who it was. Was it? I think it was Daniel Jeremiah from the NFL that spoke about what if Brady had played at the Ravens and how many Super Bowls would he have won? And he showed that he reeled off all of these names. A lot of you know, quite a few of them have made the Hall of Fame or have gone on to have like big careers. But I think this team could be special. Yeah. Like you on on paper, 
it it looks like a very very strong team. Whether it pans out that way, because we've seen it plenty of times, like it happened with the Eagles with their injury troubles, and you've seen it happen at the Browns a few times, where on paper they've had like this phenomenal offense, and then it's not not quite panned out. So I guess we'll see. But I mean, I'm I'm very excited for it. I don't see a lot of weaknesses on there. Right. So on a scale of like highest being you during the divisional round about two years ago uh, with the Minnesota Miracle uh, and one being you having like a cigarette in the backyard. How stressed are you when Lamar gets taken down and he doesn't get up immediately? Oh, mate, like when I sat down, what's the Minnesota Miracle? Like now, obviously, like most people listen to this won't know what that means, but I, I remember watching that game and I had a, I had a bit of a stake in that game and it was, Definitely one of the more stressful <laughs> games I've ever watched in my life, uh, just sporting events in general. But yeah, like because I mean, it's part of his game. You've got to factor that in. You've got to take that. You know, you've you've got to just sort of accept that for what it is. But when he when he tucks that ball and takes off running, it it's it's nerve wracking because his backup RG three. You've seen what can happen. You know the when he with his time with the Redskins, he wasn't particularly managed very well. I'd like to think the Ravens would manage Lamar a hell of a lot better than the Redskins did with, with Griffin. Um, but, I mean, it, he blew his knee out because of it and it ruined his career. And now he's sort of riding the bench and playing a, a playing backups ever since. So, obviously, with any QB, when he took it and run and become a runner, the fair game to anyone, and it's, it's definitely nerve-wracking. He's famous for running it now. Yeah, I mean that's what to expect. It, it, it's fortunately he's he's not one of these players who I think falls hard. If, if, if that no, makes no, sense to you, I know what you mean. Yeah, it's a weird like thing, isn't it? Yeah, he's quite good at dodging people, and he's not just with his quickness and stuff, but the way he can sort of spin and move. He's quite good at glancing blows and things. And when he does, when he does hit the floor, like one person I've always said, like was great to watch, but he hit the floor really hard. Was Gronk like? Gronk was great at what he did, but when you see him jump for a ball or when you see him get tackled and he goes down, he goes down hard. It's not like he's, you know, it's like he's landing on concrete and not on grass. Like <laughs> He was just training for WWE. Yeah, whereas I think Lamar, <laughs> it's like he's falling, you know, it's like he's sort of hitting pillows rather than, than concrete sort of thing. Like, it does, he doesn't seem to fall too hard. If you could trade for one player... Like, that's either A, not a quarterback, or B, not Aaron Donald. Who would you pick? Oh, I was going to say Aaron Donald. <laughs> um, who could that You know who I'd take? I'd take Tyree Hill. Yes. Yeah, okay. Would you not say, you... like, Julio or something? Yeah, I mean, we could... Yeah, we could do. I just I think, like, I mean, Ingrams, Ingram does a great job with with what we've got because we need a bit of a power back and he's good he's a good height man which is what you need but I think if you were to take Tyree Hill's pace and his ability to not only run but catch the ball and pair that with Lamar and his ability to throw and be able to run the ball I think that would be a, a pretty terrifying combination okay so we'll head a bit north up to Cincinnati where we've got Joe with the Bengals let's get it Chicken wings and watch the Bengals play. I'm about to get a couple drinks and watch the Bengals game. My city like a zoo. We just watch the Bengals play. And I don't know about you. I'm about to watch the Bengals game. So the Cincinnati Bengals. 
So the Bengals, they're one of two teams in Ohio, along with the Cleveland Browns, which Tim will be getting onto later. Uh, fun fact about Cincinnati, it is also known as the chili capital due to its vast number of chili restaurants. It is situated in Ohio, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, Ohio is on the edge of the Midwest. It's the 17th oldest uh, state in the USA. And a fun fact about Ohio as well is that the state claims to have created the first chewing gum in 1869 and also the first hot dog in 1900, which, to be honest, I thought was a bit late for hot dogs. But, you know, they claim to have made it. A uh, bit of history about the Bengals then. So um, quite prominent thing about the Bengals is they play in a very unique colour scheme of orange and black, obviously being the same as a Bengal tiger. Their helmet has the pattern of a tiger and, in my opinion, is one of the nicer helmets in the league. Yeah. They've also made big contributions to the game of American football over the years, creating the famous West Coast offence and also the no-huddle offence, which if you look a bit more into NFL and you like your madam, you'll know quite a bit about. So, on May the 24th of 1967, uh, Cincinnati was granted a franchise in the American Football League. The franchise was sold to a Cincinnati-based ownership group led by Cleveland Browns founder and former head coach Paul Brown. They were called the Bengals in order to give it a link to the past professional football team in Cincinnati, uh, as there was one back in the day. And so Brown, he after creating the team, uh, he returned to the coaching ranks on the Bengals for eight years until he retired. He then became general manager until he died in 1991. After that, his son, Mike Brown, succeeded his father as general manager and is still in that role to this day. So it was a steady start for the Bengals. Uh, the first impression season, sorry, I'll do that. It was a imp- steady start for the Bengals with their first impressive season coming in 1975 when the team posted an 11-3 and record, giving them to what this day is their highest winning percentage in franchise history. However, the Bengals eventually lost to Oakland Raiders 13-28 at in the divisional playoffs. So the Bengals missed the playoffs for the next five years, but won big in 1981. This was the year that the Bengals unveiled their new uniforms with those tiger-striped helmets, jerseys and pants. Cincinnati, uh, with Forrest Gregg as coach, won the then AFC Central with a 12-4 record and defeated San Diego 27-7 in the AFC Championship game. However, they lost in Super Bowl 16 to, Fran- uh, to San Francisco 26-21. The Bengals had another shot second year late, seven years later in the Super Bowl in 1988 under coach Sam Weish and quarterback Boomer Esiason. They improved from the dismal 4-12 record in 1987 to a 12-4 regular season record, so swapping that over. They then defeated Buffalo 21-10 for the AFC Championship. However, in Super Bowl 23, they then lost again to the San Francisco 49ers from a last-minute touchdown pass by Joe Montana. These two defeats by the 49ers still remain the only two times the Bengals have ever reached a big game, making it 31 years since they have last done so. Then onto the 90s, it was a dark time for the Bengals. Uh, obviously, after Paul Brown died in 1991, they didn't actually make the playoffs till the next millennium. That led the team to being nicknamed the Bungles by many fans around the league. The team uh, actually posted 14 consecutive losing seasons and a lot of draft busts to go with it so it was really really poor time for them in 2005 uh, things started to look a bit up for the Bengals uh, and they decided to start their first overall pick from 2003 Carson Palmer Palmer's first season starting he made it to the playoffs for the first time in 15 years 
Since then, the Bengals have reached the playoffs seven times. However, they have crashed out on wildcard weekend every single time of those, making it a bit of a tradition for them to, to crash out there. Are the Bengals one of the most cursed like, playoff teams in NFL history? Yeah, I'd say so, especially like since the turn of 2000. like They're just completely cursed. As I say, seven times they've got to the playoffs since 2005, and every single one of those they've gone out in the wildcard round. There's not much more you can... Not much worse you can do apart from not making it at all. Yeah, it must be pretty painful to get there. I mean, I'm not sure what what be more painful, like not expecting to go there in the first place, or getting there and then f- failing in the first round as soon as you get there. Yeah, it's a painful one, but it, I don't know. Is it less painful than going all the way to the Super Bowl and losing? I don't know. You tell us, mate. I've I've not watched a loss yet. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what. No, it's not. It's not. <laughs> Right, um, going on to rivalries here. So they've sort of got two main rivalries here, the Bengals. First of them, uh, Adam touched on earlier, being with the Steelers. So since the AFL and the NFL merged back in 1970, the Bengals and the Steelers have always been in the same division. It's been a rivalry that's always been there, uh, but mainly since around the time that Ben Roethlisberger became Steelers quarterback in 2004. In that area, uh, in that era, sorry, uh, the teams have met twice in a wildcard round, being in 2005 and 2015, of course, with Pittsburgh winning both. The second meeting in 2015 in Cincinnati, in Cincinnati is a game that will be remembered by the two sets of fans for quite a long time. So on a game-winning drive, uh, there was an incomplete pass throw to Antonio Brown. Bengals linebacker uh, Vontes Perfect was flagged for unnecessary roughness after a pretty disgusting and brutal shoulder to the head of Brown causing him to be knocked out and concussed. I'm sure you boys have all seen that hit and remember it quite vividly. It was it, Brown was a sitting duck. Yeah, it was it's one of the one of the, the worst hits I think I've ever seen from a player. Like that's just delivered to just a defenseless guy who's got no idea that it's coming whatsoever. Like he's clearly clearly head hunting on it. Yeah. It definitely not. It looked like it knocked him on another planet. Like he was flat out cold after he hit him. He's done a lot and, of dirty hits. Perfect. Yeah, he's 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 well known for it, unfortunately. But you're right. He, there was so much time to pull out the hit, but he just wanted to do it. Yeah, uh, he got what was coming course, to him, though. Yeah, and that's the the, well, the thing is, of course, after he's done that, so he gets the flag, and then straight afterwards, um, Bengals cornerback Adam Jones was flagged for a personal foul. Um, after having an altercation with the Steelers' assistant coach, Joey Porter, which meant that the Steelers then could make a game-winning uh, field goal from 35 yards. And then Steelers go through and that Bengals curse carried on. And that was the last time that, that the Bengals had been in the in the playoff. So good chance there against their rivals and just two silly, silly plays from players ruined it for them. Overall, the Steelers are winning that matchup 66-33, so quite convincingly. Another one of the rivalries is with the Browns. So I did a bit of research into this, and I was when you think about how the Browns and the Bengals effectively had the same founder, uh, there's going to be a lot of sort of animosity between the teams. But I had a look, and with them being in the same state, uh, but the opinion of the Bengals fans is that the Browns have just not been competitive enough to even bother starting a feud with it. Uh, despite that, the record is actually quite close. The Bengals are currently leading 51-42, to so a little closer than I actually thought before looking into it. So the other notable uh, rivalries for them include the Ravens and the Texans. 
So going on to famous persons, uh, yet again, looking at the top five as voted for by Cincinnati fans. These are all players that have since retired or are no longer playing for the Bengals. So no one that's currently playing at the moment. So first of all, I've got running back Corey Dillon. So he was drafted in the second round of the 1997 NFL draft. Uh, in his first season, uh, he set the then NFL rookie rushing yards for a single game, being 246. For six seasons, uh, he was one of the bright spots in an otherwise horrible Bengals team that was right in the middle of their rut. And after a game in 2001, he was actually quoted saying that they will never win with the Brown family in Cincinnati. So that didn't go down too well with, with management. So yeah, he made the Pro Bowl three times and he also set uh, the rushing yards for the most rushing yards in one game at that time being 278 yards. So he had a couple records and but unfortunately after having a bit of an injury hit year in 2003 he was traded to the Patriots. And number four, uh, someone who I thought would be a bit higher after looking into the Bengals, I've got quarterback Ken Anderson. So he was selected 67th in the 1971 draft by the Bengals and he became the starting quarterback the next year. He was one of the most accurate short-range passers in the league and was extremely effective at rushing the ball. Uh, with Bill Walsh as his quarterback coach, he was one of the first quarterbacks which would be become known as the West Coast offense, which I mentioned earlier. So Anderson's best season uh, by far was in 1981 when he led the Bengals to that Super Bowl. Uh, obviously, of course, beaten by the 49ers. By the end of the season, he had a 62.6 of his passes, which was pretty good. 3,754 yards and 29 touchdowns. So some good stats with a career-high 98.4 passing rating. He, In that year as well, he managed to win the NFL MVP, the Offensive Player of the Year, and the Comeback Player of the Year. So he managed to do a bit of a clean sweep there, apart from obviously winning that Super Bowl ring. Has anyone done that before? Or again? I, I wanted to have a look into this when I was doing it, but I've never heard of that. Mm, okay. I'm not too sure. It'd be pretty difficult to do it. I mean, the only thing I could have thought of, maybe if Ryan Tannehill went on a mad one last year in the playoffs and managed to go in. But anyway, so going back off that, um, after retirement, Anderson stayed at the Bengals, becoming a quarterback coach and an offensive coordinator. He also, after that, went to do a bit of coaching at the Jaguars and also big rivals, Steelers. So third one, I've got another quarterback being Boomer Esiason. He was selected by the Bengals in the second round in 1984. Uh, it was a surprising low pick coming in at 38, considering he was pretty successful in college. He took over from uh, Ken Anderson, who I just mentioned, as the Bengals' full-time starter back in 1985. He became pretty good at the no-huddle offense, which was one of the other offenses that the Bengals came up with. He led Cincinnati to six straight wins in the 88 season, which is the one they made at the Super Bowl win. He actually, in one game, set the season, uh, actually the uh, franchise record throwing five interceptions in one game. But despite that, they had a pretty good season, ended up finishing 12-4. and four. Uh, They defeated Seattle and Buffalo on the way to the Super Bowl in a rematch against the 49ers. However, Joe Montana, again, stopped him getting that ring. He also picked up the MVP award um, in a runner-up season like his predecessor. And after a few quiet seasons, he was then traded to the Jets in 1993. So, uh, second one, who's a bit of a a character, I've got Chad Ochocinco, the wide receiver. So his actual name is Chad Johnson. 
However, he was briefly known as Chad Ochocinco, actually legally changed his name to that. He's the best wide receiver in Bengals history. Uh, six-time pro bowler. Uh, he had over 10,000 yards in his career and 66 touchdowns with the Bengals. He helped them uh, reach the playoffs twice in his tenure. And he's actually ranked uh, 30th among all-time NFL receivers for uh, receiving yards. So he, a lot of fans watched, enjoyed watching his antics on and off the field. He had a lot of celebrations that were classes over the top by many people. Uh, and also just a lot of defensive players just couldn't stand going up against him because his <laughs> ability to just catch and get those touchdowns was just uncanny. Um, he used to trash he, talk Bill Belichick. He was just, yeah, he was a Yeah, it's clear from what I remember from playing, because I saw a bit of him playing when I first got into football, it reminds me a lot of Antonio Brown. Yeah. Look, like, crazy. Look, obviously, yeah, only really sort of knowing of him towards the back end, looking at some of the things he used to do. Like this one here, this is actually one of the, the things. In 2005, he kept a checklist. Uh, it was titled, Who Covered 85 in 05? It basically evaluated the defensive backs that managed to successfully cover him. So if you managed to play well against him, he'd put you in the book. <laughs> and of course, uh, he changed his surname, as I mentioned earlier, from Johnson to Ocho Cinco in 2008. It's Ocho Cinco because that's Spanish for 8-5, not 85, uh, which is his his jersey number, but 8-5. He actually wasn't the same player since the name change. His stats dropped off quite quickly and he actually changed his name four years later back to his original of Chad Johnson after getting married uh, before he changed it back. However, he did move to the Patriots in 2011. So... The number one voted uh, best Bengal of all time is offensive tackle Anthony Munoz. So he anchored the Bengals offensive line for 13 years during the best era of Bengals football. He was drafted as the third overall pick in the 1980 draft and he's one of seven Bengals to play in both of Cincinnati's Super Bowl appearances. He played in a total of 185 games and started 183 of those. And they even caught four touchdown passes from the left tackle position, which is always impressive when that happens. So his ability to protect the quarterback and dominate the defensive line in the running game earned him 11 pro call-ups and nine all-pro recognitions, including a Hall of Fame induction. So at the time of his retirement, uh, his he had tied with Tom Mack for the most uh, ever Pro Bowl appearances by an offensive lineman in league history. He also set the Bengals franchise record as well. In 1994, uh, he was named the National Football League 75th anniversary all-time team. And in 2010, he was ranked number 12 on the NFL's network, uh, the top 100 NFL's greatest player list, and was also the highest ranked offensive lineman. So he was cracking for the Bengals and just a great player in general. Have you seen Anthony Munoz's fingers? Not well, he got messed up fingers as well. Yeah, mate. Like I was watching the NFL, like the NFL 100 series. If if anyone hasn't watched it, I definitely recommend going and watch yeah. it. It's interesting, and you do learn quite a lot. But on the the O line episode, they have him on as a guest, and he sits down. He has a chat with him, and I couldn't help but notice one of his fingers. Like one of his fingers goes like 90 degrees. Yeah, his, pinky, from, oh, yeah, his little angle. fingers like at a 90 degree angle from where it should be. Oh, why there do... must be something you can do about that. That's disgusting. 
Yeah, it's pretty. No, I mean, it, it, it helps you block, you get a little more width. <laughs> he does a little That's bit of like t- on TV and stuff and that, but like he's he's one of these people who like like we 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 were talking about Baldy, like Baldinger's mm-hmm. hands and like a couple others who you 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 see them when they come on is as one that you just you can't help but notice because it's, it's it protrudes out so much from where you can't it hold be. if you can't hold. I've just seen it. It yeah, it's it's ninety degrees. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's not as bad as what was that other guy. I think either one uh, of yours. Chuck Yes. Yeah, Chuck Bednarik's the man. They're the worst. Yeah, I'd rather have him in yours than Bednarik's. Yeah, but he, he played in the 60s and was a centre and a linebacker. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot of battering. Going on to the current team then. So, to be honest, there hasn't been much to shout about recently for the Bengals. After falling to the Steelers in the 2015 wildcard, uh, they've had four straight losing seasons including their joint worst record ever last year when they went 2-14. and 14. That included a losing streak of 11 at the beginning of the season, which was their worst ever start. So, it's all going up from there. Uh, since he was drafted in the second round of 2011, uh, Andy Dalton has been a Bengals franchise quarterback. He's just sort of known to be your average, average QB, right in the middle of the pecking order of all the quarterbacks in the NFL. He had a good start to his Bengals career, uh, took him to the playoffs in his first five years, making the pro by himself three times. Recently, however, with a poor supporting cast, Dalton has struggled, leading him to get benched last season, in my opinion, which was rather unfairly. He was then brought back towards the end of the season when he won two out of the last five games. So, as the Bengals performed so awfully last year, uh, they have the number one overall pick in the 2020 draft, where it's believed they will pick up their new franchise quarterback, it's almost a given that they're going to go and get a higher-born LSU quarterback, Joe Burrow. He's an exciting young player, and Cincinnati would be hoping that he would be the man to change the fortunes of this long-time underachieving franchise. So, in the season just gone, uh, the Bengals franchise tagged seven times Pro Bowl, three times All-Pro wide receiver AJ Green. He hasn't actually played since December 2018, as he missed the whole 2019 season after doing his ankle ligaments in. On his day, however, Green is one of the best, most exciting wide receivers in the league and is already cementing himself as one of the best players in Bengals history. Another star player uh, to mention in this current team is defensive tackle Geno Atkins. So they've, they've got some players, but just last year was was pretty poor for them. But hopefully with the draft coming around, if they're smart about it and they've done a bit more in free agency uh, this year than usual, it's been noticed, so hopefully they're going to do their bit to to be able to support Borough as much as they can. So going going into like just at the end of the season, going into like when free agency started, there was a lot of talk about them potentially trading AJ Green and Geno Atkins, who, like you've just said, that they're two best players at the moment. Do you think they should have traded them, or do you think they've they've done a better job keeping hold of them? I think with players like that, it's always better to keep what you know you've got. In a way, they could have traded it for a yeah. I mean, AJ Green, he would have gone for, for loads of loads of draft picks, proper high ones as well. But you know what you've got with him, even with the injury. I'd still, I'm a person that believes that if you if they're good and they work in your franchise, keep them. So I, I think they did the right thing. What do you think about Joe Mixon? Joe Mixon is one of those 
players that I mean, as a running back, it's always tough sometimes in, in the NFL. But I don't know. I don't massively rate him. Really, he's got he's got quite a good. Um, he's got a lot of high numbers, but then he's yeah, the statistically, best. Is he, yeah, yeah. Is he is he the best mm-hmm. player on a bad offense, or is he actually like suffering because he he is a really good player and he could potentially do a lot more, but he just happens to be on a it's, bad team at the moment. Yeah, it's like Saquon Barkley yeah. the Giants. Is he limited, like where he is? That that is the issue. But I don't Does know. He he's have, not. He's that AJ Green in the sense that he's a good player on a bad team. Yeah. No, I, I can see that. But yeah, I, I think yeah, the, probably the fact he's been on the Bengals probably hindered my opinion of him. But I, I wouldn't say I'm. A, I wouldn't jump at the opportunity of getting him. It feels like yeah, it feels like a player the Patriots would pick up and just start winning with. Yeah, I'd feel I'd feel meh. I'd, I'd be quite chuffed, but it's not like oh my god, we're getting Joe Mixon. Do you think Joe Burrow will be the answer? It's a good nickname for him. Although that was Alan Iverson's nickname. Well, it's it's always tough with rookie quarterbacks, especially going like first round picks as well. A lot of there's been a few first round, sorry, first overall picks that have gone down the drain. I know a lot of it's been. <laughs> been sort of um and i'm sure you'll get on to old uh, johnny manzel and and others later tim but um i think he will i think he's confident and i think that's a massive thing as a rookie that's what you need oh you see him on social media and that he he does think he's the dog's bollocks yeah and he reminds me a lot of manzel and i'm wondering if he's gonna go the same way you're right he's, he could technically he's a much better quarterback than, than manzel he's not fly by the seat of your pants. If you ever look back on Manziel's games, it's actually Mike Evans makes him look a lot better as a receiver because Manziel would throw balls up in the air and it would be 50-50 catches that Mike Evans came down with most of the time. So Mike Evans watching, is, is unreal, right? Yeah, he was the star of that team, not Manziel. But when you watch Joe Burrow, he's very accurate and he can put balls where he wants to put them. So... I've actually got more confidence. I'm actually more worried that the Bengals will mess up the draft pick and not pick Joe Burrow and do something stupid like trade out or pick somebody else, which would be the most Bengalsy move yeah. ever. You could see if someone really wants that number one overall, mm-hmm. you could see them and the Bengals wouldn't, wouldn't well, they'd, they'd think twice, definitely. Yeah. I don't know. It makes no sense. They need a QB so bad. It would make no sense to trade out, surely. I mean, like you said, it sounds like a very Bengals thing to do, but... I mean, still forget, they're one, of the, they're one of the tightest teams in the NFL, and they might be looking at it from, well, if we just draft the number one quarterback and he's good, we're going to have to pay him a fortune in five years' time when his contract's up. So yeah. don't underestimate how stupid the Bengals' thinking can be. <laughs> Sorry, Joe. No, 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 no. Nail on the head, mate. What helmet? It's, it's a bit dating back, but what helmets did you take over the Bengals helmet? Because it's probably one of my favourites. This game against what I've, I've, a lot, of what I believe in Packers helmet, I love. Hmm. Uh, Steelers helmet, I'm a big fan of. But I like yeah, the, ben, yeah, I like the Steelers lids. I'd probably those. Those are the sort of two that I'd, I'd look at. Yeah, those, those two. The, the Rams one, I also like as well. Vikings and Eagles have got good lids. Yeah. yeah everyone everyone the likes the ones on the sides, like their horns and wings and shit. Mm-hmm. 
Oh yeah, and the raid is the black and silver helmet. Thank you. <laughs> what, what do you think? I like the 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 tiger print. Then like the because they have quite a, an interesting choice of like color scheme. And to be honest, most most of the Bengals fans I know tend to be like female. They tend to be women, not necessarily men. With like I think because of the pattern and color scheme and stuff, it might put some people off. Maybe yeah. I'm, I love those jerseys, man. They're well nice. Oh, I'm not a fan. I mean, I could be biased just because they're like in our division and everything, but I think they're hideous, mate. That orange is not nice to look at. <laughs> For me, I think it's like one of them things where at first you look at it and you go, oh my God, like that's a cool looking kit. But I think the novelty can wear off quite quickly. Like it's a, yeah. it's a very unique tiger pattern. It's cool. But then after a while, you're sort of like, you know what? I much prefer like a, a palette blue or something like that. And finally, staying in the same state as Joe said, we'll move on to Tim with the Cleveland Browns. Again, we've left the worst till last. So this is going to be a hard sell. Why support the Browns? Uh, two slogans you could have with the Browns. There's nowhere to go but up, and there's always next year. They've got a Family Guy character named after them. And if you love wearing orange and brown clothes, the Browns could be for you. Uh, as Joe's mentioned, they're named after the original coach and co-founder, Paul Brown. They were founded in 1945 by, by Brown and a businessman called Arthur B. McBride. They're a charter member of the American Football All-American Football Conference, the AAF, and they dominated it, winning its championship in each of its four seasons. When that league folded after 1949, they then joined the NFL. They won the NFL championship before it was the Super Bowl uh, in its inaugural season, as well as in 1954, 55 and 64. Uh, there was a lot of success, success in their early days. From 65 to 95, though, they qualified for the playoffs 14 times, but did not win another championship or play in another Super Bowl during that period. Um, as Joe stated, the ben Browns and the Bengals are organically related, and because of that, they're rivals, although the Bengals fans don't see it as a rivalry, but the Browns fans do. In 1995, Art Modell purchased the Browns in 1961, announced plans to move the team to Baltimore. After threats of legal action from the city of Cleveland and fans, a compromise was reached in early 1996 that allowed Modell to establish the Baltimore Ravens as a new franchise, which Craig's already talked about, while retaining con contracts of all Browns personnel. The Browns' intellectual property, including the name, the logos, the training facility and the entire team history, were kept in trust and the franchise was regarded by the NFL as suspended. The new team was established in 1999, either by expansion or relocation. The Browns were announced as an expansion team in 1998 and resumed play in 1999. And they then obviously kept all the old Browns history, logos, etc. So then the big Ravens-Browns rivalry was formed because obviously it's a new Browns against the old Browns. It's not much of a rivalry, to be honest with you. Ravens have completely dominated it. And since resuming operations in 99, the Browns have struggled to find success. They've only had two winning seasons, 2002-2007. One playoff appearance in 2002 and no playoff wins, winning only about a third of the games in total. Um, they've 
noted for their lack of stability with head coaches. Uh, Ten full-time coaches and two interim head coaches since 1999. And they've had 30 different starting quarterbacks since 1999, along with the longest active playoff drought in the NFL, 17 seasons. Now, ironically, they've actually got one of the most famous players in NFL history as a former player, Jim Brown. Jim Brown was considered one of the greatest football players of all time. Brown won an NFL championship with the Browns in 1964, led the league in rushing yards in eight of his 10 seasons, and by the time he retired, he'd shattered most major Russian records. In 2002, he's named by the Sporting News as the greatest professional football player ever. It's definitely the hipster throwback jersey to own. I'm gonna... You've cut out again. Yeah, again. Yeah, no, I did that. You cut out from hipster throwback jersey to own and then it cut out oh, so now we remember where they're cutting out see how it <laughs> is <Craig. That's> fine. <laughs> Joe Thomas the Browns chose Thomas with a third overall pick in the 2007 NFL draft he didn't miss a single play in his career until 2017 season which is one of the longest streaks of uh, any NFL player he's regarded as one of the best O-linemen of all time Otto Graham was quarterback for the Browns in the AAFC and the NFL. Browns regarded by critics as one of the most dominant players of his era, taking the Browns to league championship games every year between 46 and 55, winning seven of them. Um, Ozzie Newsom, although Ozzie Newsom's better known as the GM of the Ravens, uh, he went to the Pro Bowl in 81, 84, 85, and in 84 set a franchise record for receiving yards, and he played tight end. Finished his career with, with records for receptions and yards, and in 99, he was inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Uh, one last one for a famous previous player, Bernie Kosar. Kosar played quarterback for the Browns from 85 to 93, during Kozar's time, the Browns advanced the AFC Championship three times in four years and losing on all three occasions to the Broncos. I love Ozzy. Would, would you regard Joe Thomas as the best left tackle to have ever played? Yes. Same. Yeah, and, and such bad... He was protecting such bad quarterbacks. They would have been even worse without Joe Thomas. Wasn't there a quote but... where he was like, I went into a huddle, I didn't even know the quarterback's name? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He went through like 18 quarterbacks in 20 seasons or something like that, I think it was. That says a lot about it. You must have had a lot of offers over the years to go elsewhere as a free agent. Yeah, similar to to like Larry Fitzgerald and uh, Terrell Suggs obviously left right at the end, but some some players just don't want to leave. Tom Tom Brady's just left as well. (laughs) Yeah. It broke my heart when Reed left the Ravens because, like, obviously, like Lewis and Ogden and quite a few of the others I'd mentioned hadn't gone anywhere. And then, right at the back end of his career, for one season, he went to another two. And I thought, you may as well just retired, mate, and just, you know what I mean? Like, so the current team, after years of wasted high draft picks like Johnny Manziel and Tim Couch, current roster is the most talented in years. Uh, the quarterback's Baker Mayfield. He was drafted by the Browns first overall in 2018 NFL Draft. His first NFL appearance, Mayfield led the, uh, the Browns to their first win in 19 games. He threw 27 touchdowns in 13 starts for Browns in 2018. Uh, he broke the rookie season passing touchdown record held by Peyton Manning and Russell Wilson. So that's not bad company. But after the promise of his rookie season, second season was a bit of a disappointment, despite him appearing in every other TV ad in America. Big free agent signing or trade, sorry, was uh, 
Odell Beckham Jr. He's been one of the most productive and popular players in the NFL, but he's drawn a lot of media scrutiny for his conduct on and off the playing field, which continued in Cleveland. Uh, became a star with the Giants before he forced the trade. Even though last year was disappointing overall for the Browns, he still managed to have over a thousand receiving yards. Miles um, Garrett, another one of the most famous Browns players last year, uh, his rookie season was limited by injuries, but he emerged in the second half of the year, became one of the premier edge rushers in the NFL. He's a fantastic player, but his third season with the team was cut short infamously when he fought with the Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback and hit him over the head with his helmet, which is a big no-no, and he was indefinitely suspended. But I think he'll be back for the start of this season, whenever it eventually starts. Other players, they've got Nick Chubb at running back, a big free agent sign-in this offseason, tackle Jack Conklin, Jarvis Landry at wide receiver as well. So basically the Browns, why should support them? They'll always be next year's team. Every year, the offseason, they win the offseason. They get good trades, good free agents, and then they actually go and play the games, and they're never as good. But this season's definitely going to be different. They're the most loyal fan base. 2006 study conducted by BizJournal determined the Browns are the most loyal fans in the NFL. Study was largely based on fan loyalty during winning and losing seasons, attendance at games, and challenges confronting fans, such as the inclement weather. Study noted that Browns fans filled 99.8% of the seats at their stadium during the last seven seasons, despite a combined record of 36 and 76 over that span. And that's statistics, and you can't argue with them. So, finally, famous fans, you've got two kings, Elvis Presley and LeBron James, and also Condoleezza Rice, all fans of the Cleveland Browns. Wolf, wolf, go Browns. Dog pound. Dog pound. How like it, you were saying about like Jim Brown, and you mentioned a couple others. Like, was there obviously they've got they've cycled through so many players over the past like 10 20 years. Was there anyone in particular other than them that stood out? Not really, they've got they've had quite a bland a bunch of players, and it's like a huge turnover of players because they've changed uh, regimes so many times, got rid of so many quarterbacks. There's just a lot of players who've had a lot of promise coming into the team and just went out really quickly. They're, the 80s were quite you know, Bernie Kosar is a huge name because it was, I don't know if you know the story, it was quite controversial when he was drafted to the Browns. He basically said, I want to play for Cleveland. And the draft rules had to be changed. And eventually he was, uh, he was drafted by the Browns because he forced his way in. So that was the most successful period. I think I heard something about that, that the Vikings mm-hmm. traded up to the number two yep. spot and were basically like, yep, we're going to be drafting Bernie Kosar with that number two pick. That's why we traded there. And he just refused to fill out the draft paperwork. So he got picked by Cleveland by the supplemental draft. <laughs> Yep, that was exactly it. Uh, Baker Mayfield, obviously saying, you know, his rookie year was was pretty good. Last year was quite poor. Uh, Obviously, with the change with coaches and whatever, you expecting him to really, really kick on this year and go past where he was in his rookie year? Are you sort of expecting more of the same from last year? I think it'll be better this year because I think he'll have come down to earth a bit because he was so lauded in his first, in his rookie season I think it went a bit to his head and I think a lot of the players on that team believed the hype 
But this year, they've got something to prove because no one's expecting them to do as well as they were going into last season. So I think he'll have a bounce back year this year because he's a talented player. Yeah, yeah, completely agree with that. Yeah, that was, that was going to be my question, do you think Baker's going to be the one to take him? No, I'll definitely come back here for Baker. Who's then? Who's their new coach now? Kevin Stefanski. Oh, from the Vikings. Yeah, I, th- mm. I think he's going to work really well with them. Yep. Mm. So we've seen the output that come from Nick Chubb last year. He was he was one of the better players, I think, last season at running back. I, I quite enjoyed watching him. I know Adam, you were a big fan of him. Um, yeah. But like Odell Beckham, like I, in my opinion, I mean, I had him on my fantasy team, so I was watching him a little bit closer than than normal. He didn't particularly have. He had an okay season, but by Odell mm-hmm. standards, he didn't particularly have a great season. Um, do you think he'll go? Or do you think he'll stay? Because obviously, it was his first year at the Browns. It didn't quite pan out as all of his seasons at New York had gone. Um, do you think? I know he was rumblings that he was kind of fishing around about someone else. Maybe if anyone was interested mm-hmm. in him, do you think? Do you think he'd go? I don't know what his contract situation is, but I think this will be his last year in Cleveland. Because, like you said, all this soft season has been like, oh, he's going to get traded, he's going to get traded. And you've seen this, this happen before with him. He'll just sort of get halfway through the season, he'll give up on plays and start going to social media saying he wants out. So if it doesn't go well, I think he'll be gone after this season. If I can jump in on that, because I follow the Browns quite closely, mm. um, on most, on, at least on Reddit. And... Um, I think they actually, obviously, I, I, I've said this pretty much every year about the Browns. I think this is their year, <laughs> but it's because um, their new head coach, obviously, has been the offensive coordinator of the Vikings. That that team was famous for, obviously, Stefan Diggs, who's a great um, deep threat and all-round receiver. Uh, Dalvin Cook has a running back, uh, a good O-line and double tight end sets. They've now he's now gone to the Browns as the head coach, but he's got David and Joku, uh, and they just signed Austin Hooper. Uh, o line's crap, which is a, a known fact, but they've got Odell and Jarvis, um, who, yeah, as Craig you said, rumors are one of them's not going to be on the team uh, within two years, even though they are. But they were best friends at college and played at LSU together, um, and obviously Baker was near to breaking records in his first year. Um, I think Stefan, oh. Uh, um, the defense is obviously depending on if Miles Garrett comes back, but that's pretty, that's pretty solid all round. I think the Browns are like the way um, Stefanski is going to run the offense. Apparently, he's he's bringing like a, obviously all new coaches bringing a new culture. But I've heard nothing but good things about this signing. Also, as well with the O line, they've got Jack Conklin from the Titans. Yes, they signed a good tackle. really good right tackle, and they've got mm-hmm. um, tenth overall some something in around the 10th pick and there are four or five tackles slated as kind of first round picks so they're they're pretty much going to be coming out of this draft with a left tackle they've already got a good right tackle in Jack Conklin as you mentioned and yeah I I think they are if they can show that O-line up they will have success I hope so I mean, we went into last season and everyone looked at me like I was crazy when I turned around and said that the Browns weren't going to be very good, even though on paper they looked like they were going to be amazing. And then the Browns seemed to find a way to do Browns things. I think I'm pretty sure I said this and I'm blowing my own horn as well. They had had the players, they just didn't have the coach. They had the worst coach in the NFL last year. Saying you didn't like Freddie Kitchens. (laughs) (laughs) I think they all replaced because, like this, this division 
like I was saying, we I remember I was talking about it earlier on today. Um, this this division typically has three teams come out of it. It's it's a bit like the the AFC, um, the NFC West in terms that like it's quite competitive. One of your wild card teams does usually come out of this division. Stereo, you know, usually the the trend was that it would be Ravens, Steelers, Bengals. I think that's now going to flip, and I think it's going to be a case of it will be Ravens, Steelers, Browns. Mm-hmm. I think I've just looked it up. Uh, as Adam was saying there, they've got the tenth pick in the draft, and the consensus is they're going to take an old tackle there. Uh, most mock drafts have got McKee Beckton, uh, big tackle out of Louisville, very athletic tackle. So should we go go through a rundown on wider support each team again as a f- final little summary? Sounds good. Mm-hmm. Okay. Pittsburgh Steelers need you to support their team because they're already one of the biggest fan bases in the world and they need you to increase it. Um, they're, they're pretty much, as, as Craig's just said, the AFC North is a competitive division and the Steelers have been uh, alongside the Ravens, kind of the, the champions of that, uh, of that division. Uh, you, you've got a, a, a coach you can trust in Mike Tomlin. You've got a good young defense. The drafting's always been pretty good, and uh, yeah, one one of the best the best jerseys to buy. I think if you get a Mean Joe Green jersey, uh, I think anywhere any you're gonna look uh, fit in anywhere uh, a stadium in London or something like that. Okay, so why should you support the Ravens? Well, as the 1990s hit from Dodgy said, if it's good enough for me, it's good enough for you. Um, <laughs> um, it's, a, it, it's a tough... If you like your defensive football, you like tough football, you like big hits, you like real sort of, you know, players that play for the city, they play for their teammates, they really love what they do. You know, they, they really play for each other. I think it's, the Ravens is a good example of that. Um, good colour scheme, good jerseys, loud fans. Get to sing Seven Nation Army every weekend if you want to, if you quite like that song. Um, I quite like this division because it's cold weather football. So if you like your cold weather games, you know, definitely definitely a team for you. Newer franchise with a little bit of success, but you want a team with a bit less history and you're jumping in. Um Bright future. Right. They got some interesting famous fans though. As someone I didn't know. Like I knew about Michael Phelps because I know the, <laughs> they had my, with Michael Phelps when he was swimming in the Olympics during one of the games. They stopped the game so everyone could watch it on the big screen. The rest threw the whistle and paused the game so they could watch him swim. Mad, which is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, I thought I it was love, pretty cool. Mate. Michael Phelps, one of my heroes. I love that. This keeps but, saying that um, Snoop Dogg's a Steelers fan, but I swear. He's like a well, California fan. You'll never guess who popped up on this list, as I was just about to say. Like, we've got, like, Ed Norton and Carmelo Anthony, but another one who's popped up on this, Joe, was Biz Markey. What? Yeah, he's popped up snake. as a Baltimore fan. He was Vikings. Oh, he's a snake. That, that, that old Prussian general. Yeah, Minnesota don't want him no more. I'm not going to lie. The Steelers are going to shit on all of you. We've got some mad fans. Right. <laughs> I'm gonna... Better than the best Olympian ever? Yep. Better than Elvis. <laughs> we have, I have Elvis as well. I don't know why you would be a Browns fan because he was from bloody Tennessee. Memphis. Memphis. Right. We have Channing Satan. Oh, Biggin. <laughs> right. Oh, we got Vern Troyer. We win. 
He's oh, dead. Okay. Doesn't count. Thanks. We got Frank Sinatra. <laughs> dead. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh. so, why should you support the Bengals? Well, um, if there's any other time to support the Bengals, right now, you've missed out on a lot of years of hurt. And with a young coach in, second, in his second year, along with their first overall pick, uh, they've got a great opportunity to finally have an identity and push forward as a real force. Their helmets, they're cool and unique. Bengals fans can be a little bonkers. Uh, actually, last year, a man vowed to sleep on the roof of a restaurant until the Bengals won a game. He slept on the roof for 57 straight nights. Um, <laughs> I remember if you, that. If you decide to support the Bengals, uh, you join an exclusive list of Cincinnati fans that includes uh, Woody Harrelson, George Clooney, and Denzel Washington. Hashtag Who Day. It's not the Bengals thing, Who Day. It is Who Day. I'm not surprised no one remembers. Yeah, that. A, <laughs> <laughs> Who are we? <laughs> I think that kind of sums the Bengals up in a couple couple words. What do we want? We don't know. <laughs> when do we want it? I don't know. <laughs> right, why should you support the Browns? Well, if you like Origin Brown and there's nowhere <laughs> to go but up, so it's always your year, your year next year. Support the Browns. Take them to Brown Town. <laughs> I do like the what's what's the, is it Brownie the little elf? That the brown oh, that weird freaky looking thing. Yeah, yeah, I really like it. Did you have no, quite a cool fan? Did you have quite a cool fan name? Like I, I like the dog palm thing, and yeah, do wear palm. like the do yeah. wear like the workman helmets with the big like dog masks and stuff and that. Like that, that's pretty cool. Like yeah, they have that big big bulldog run out in the field. Yeah. He's dead and all. Died yeah, last he year. Died. Yeah, he, he died. Did, didn't he died. Oh, poor dog. Tell you what, the Browns' new jerseys are coming out tonight as well. <laughs> but anyway, what what do we all think? What what teams have? I think we've all got a bit of bias, especially you, Craig. But what teams do we think we'd we'd like at the AFC North? Well, I'll start. Um, if I if I couldn't pick if I couldn't pick my Ravens, it'd be the Steelers. Think I would choose the Browns. I would definitely choose the Ravens because of the kit. I'm I'm actually on the fence with all of them. I would probably choose the Steelers. Uh, Wiz black and yellow <laughs> overrides it for the me. Deep that wins in the AFC. <laughs> I shouldn't, but no, the Steelers pretty cool and just the big force, isn't they? Yeah, they kind of diminish the Ravens a lot. Like they're quite similar teams. They mimic think... the Ravens a lot. The team no, in No, I don't. Well, they are, you know, the, 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 what I mean by that is like they're quite similar in terms yeah, of both style of yeah, teams. similar similar teams. The way they're built, the way they play, the fan bases are quite similar. Like I, I can see a lot of similarities between the two of them, and I have a lot of respect for the Steelers as a franchise, and I think more so than. From my 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 time as a football fan, the other two teams have not has has been as particularly competitive. Okay, so tell us what you think. Have we persuaded any of you to uh, support one of these four teams? Um, where can they let us know who they who they're picking, Joe? Yeah, so you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at tafs underscore uk. Uh, if you go on Facebook, type in that American Football Show, uh, we should pop up. Give us a like, give us a follow, and uh, interact with us. Any questions you need, uh, we will answer them for you. 
Brilliant. I feel like I would put quite a bit of a downer on the Bengals and the Browns there. I, 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 you know, the, 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 as as to, to to name another like from the eighties hit this time from Yaz, the only way is up. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I think um, I think if you're a Browns fan and you're a Bengals fan, I think you know after like we've said a lot of hit. I think both teams have a a bright future ahead of them. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, we will be back with the next episode of Picky Team in, I think, two weeks. We've got the uh, the draft coming up next week, or our, our draft kind of preview episode. So uh, look forward to that. And thanks, everyone, for listening. Take care of your mentals. Welcome to that America Football Show. Uh, this is the fifth episode of Pick Your Team. We are doing the AFC North today, uh, where we've got the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Baltimore Ravens, the Cincinnati Bengals, and the Cleveland Browns. It's uh, the sixth. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> it's, no, it's the fifth, isn't it? No, it's the sixth. It's the fifth. It is the fifth. Why would it be the sixth? We're on the north. Did I say the seventh? <laughs> no, you said the... No, I was right. You're not early. You've made me We've done the NFC and now we're on the AFC. Oh, should the, oh okay, okay, my bad. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I said the wrong thing. I thought last week we. No, oh, yeah, no, ignore me. It's I, You know what? I'm very sorry, mate. The worst thing was you said that and I was like, I was clearly wrong. <laughs> <laughs> That's how much. Self-belief, I have. I apologise. You know what? I'm not going to say a word. I'll shut up. (laughs) Put your cuff button on.